Good morning. Before we begin the um, liturgy of the word for this Sunday, I, I want to talk to you and share my thoughts. And one of the thoughts I have is how much I appreciated hearing from a, a number of you after I mentioned it would be nice if you'd touch base with me. And and it was just really life-giving for me to hear hear some of your responses. They were positive, which made me feel wonderful. And uh, also they just uh, gave me a greater sense of connection and I realize that's the heart of what I teach, the idea of God using us to connect with one another. And I want to make a suggestion um, and some give you some information. One of the things that I do love hearing is hearing from you. So if you would do that for me, I would love it if you'd like to. And you can do that easily by going to our website, pastoralreflectionsinstitute.com. And um, you can leave a message there, email me or something like that. But then also, I want you to know that I'm on all social medias, uh, also Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. And our YouTube channel is really the one I want you to, I want to draw your attention to, because what I started last Lent was a daily reflection where I just take a topic and give a few thoughts on it that stimulate your imagination, stimulate your heart's longing for these things that God promises. And, uh, and they were well-received, and so we're not doing it every day, but we do it once a week. So one of the things I'd love for you to have is not only on the Sunday homily, but in the middle of the week, you could get something from me just by subscribing to it, uh, again, on that YouTube channel, and you would receive a reflection. And often those reflections are building from and on the homilies that I'm doing. So it's a way of a, a, mid, a midweek uh, check-in. <laughs> so I would love for you to do that. So. Um, I just want to let you know those things and, uh, hopefully we continue to grow because that's what we're here for, to grow in our understanding of who this God is and how wonderful he is, how loving he is, how much he wants to free us from everything that robs us of life. So let's see what he says this Sunday. It's the 20th Sunday in ordinary time. And this is the opening prayer. O God, you have prepared for those who love you good things which no eye can see. Fill our hearts, we pray, with the warmth of your love, so that loving you in all things and above all things, we may attain your promises, which surpass every human desire. Our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the Old Testament from the book of Jeremiah, 38th chapter, 4th through the 6th verse and 8th through the 10th verse. In those days, the princes said to the king, Jeremiah ought to be put to death. He's demoralizing the soldiers who are left in this city and all the people by speaking such things to them. He's not interested in the welfare of our people, but in their ruin. King Zemekiah answered, He is in your power for the king could do nothing with him. And so they took Jeremiah and threw him into the cistern of Prince Melchi, which was in the quarters of the guard, letting him down with ropes. There was no water in the cistern, only mud, and Jeremiah sank into the mud. Ebimelech, a court official, went there with the palace and said to him, My lord king, these men have been at fault in all they have done to your prophet Jeremiah, casting him into the cistern. He will die of famine on the spot, and there is no more food in the city. 
Then the king ordered Ebed-Melech the Cushite to take three men along with him and draw the prophet Jeremiah out of the cistern before he should die. The word of the Lord. Responsorial Psalm. Lord, come to my aid. I have waited, waited for the Lord, and he stooped toward me. Lord, come to my aid. The Lord heard my cry. He drew me out of the pit of destruction, out of the mud of the swamp. He set my feet upon a crag. He made firm my steps. Lord, come to my aid. He put a new song into my mouth, a hymn to our God. Many shall look in awe and trust in the Lord. Lord, come to my aid. Though I'm afflicted and poor, yet the Lord thinks of me. You are my help and my deliverer. O my God, hold not back. Lord, come to my aid. A reading from the New Testament from the book of Hebrews, 12th chapter, 1st through the 4th verse. Brothers and sisters, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us rid ourselves of every burden and sin that clings to us and persevere in running the race that lies before us while keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the leader and perfecter of faith. For the sake of the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame. He has taken his seat at the right of the throne of God. Consider how he endured such opposition from sinners in order that you may not grow weary and lose heart in your struggle against sin. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. The word of the Lord. Hallelujah verse. My sheep hear my voice, says the Lord. I know them and they follow me. Hallelujah. The gospel for this Sunday is taken from St. Luke, 49th chapter, the 53rd verse. Jesus said to his disciples, I have come to set the earth on fire, and how I wish it were already blazing. There's a baptism with which I must be baptized, and how great is my anguish until it is accomplished. Do you think that I've come to establish peace on the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, a household of five will be divided, three against two and two against three. A father will be divided against his son and a son against his father, a mother against her daughter and a daughter against her mother, a mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. The Gospel of the Lord.
It's always amazing to me that piece of music by Brian Harner is just always moves me into a kind of a different way of hearing those readings, meaning I I heard the words and then when I listen to that music and ponder the connection in these words, something just, I don't know, it gives me a, it gives me a, a way of seeing. It's called reflection, I guess. But what I want to start my reflection on is the, the, the reading from the Hebrews talks about Jesus struggling with sin. And, you know, it's interesting that when you think about it, that that was really one of the biggest things that Jesus' public ministry was all about. It wasn't about a God made man moving in this world, presenting the God who has been hidden fully from us for so long, but now fully revealed as a lover, as a giver of life, as not a judge. And you would think everybody would have just been so wonderfully excited and open to receiving this wonderful news because it so fits our nature. It's like finally the God that is fully revealed has so clearly shown us to be someone that is attractive if we understand who we are and who he is. He's our he's everything in terms of our ability to find the peace that we long for deeply inside. So it's uh it's it's not something that was easily accepted. <laughs> so you see that there was something that happened to Jesus when he did this work and that was for as many people as he might have convinced of who he was, there were many, many more that were confused and angry and threatened and, and, and decided they needed to destroy him. So here is speaking a message of peace to the world, and the world's primary response is, no, thank you. And who the heck do you think you are? Threatening our system, changing things radically that leave us, the, the temple, the authority figures, less potent, less in control, less less looked up to. You keep talking about people being loved by God without their doing anything, and we need people to do what we ask them to do in order to get God's favor, and you're taking away our power. It's easy to see why they were so angry. And that tension, that tension between, you know, his longing to open people to the truth and their resistance to it. That's what I want to talk about today. Sin as resistance. Resistance to what God is revealing, which is the truth. Jesus came into the world, and in John's Gospel it says, what he is, is the truth incarnate. The truth incarnate. Another word for truth is reality. He's come to reveal who you are, why you're here, and how it is you're going to find peace in this world. The reality that God created in this world for you and for me is beautiful and life-giving and full, but it carries with it a struggle, an amazing, powerful struggle against evil. Don't talk about evil that much. But the more I ponder these readings, the more I think about it, evil has this awful disposition that it is totally opposed to anyone being free of their power. And so you can sense that this 
this first reading is, is a perfect example of what I want to say. If you just imagine Jeremiah is a prefiguring of Jesus. He's the one that comes to tell the truth. He's the voice inside of you constantly called your conscience that's drawing you into the truth. And he comes to bring that truth to the people. And here's the situation. The city that he's talking to, the king of that city, is uh, about to be under siege. They're about to be attacked. And the leaders and the controllers of the, of the, of the, 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 the country are excited about winning. They want to win. They want to be conquerors. They want to be the best. And so they've got the, everyone stirred up to be ready for the attack. And God speaks through Jeremiah to the king and saying, don't do this. This is going to end in disaster. You're not going to be achieving what you're longing for. It's impossible. So listen. Listen to God's voice to say, don't fight, but surrender. Surrender. Notice in the second reading, when God is, Jesus is struggling against sin, he overcomes sin by surrendering to it, by giving to his enemies, and experiencing what they hope he would feel is totally demoralized and ruined and humiliated, and he, he saw it with great anguish. He didn't want to go through that, that ending that God had prepared for him, but in the, in the weirdest way, when you're looking at that ending, what you're looking at is God in Jesus surrendering to evil. Evil says, we'll destroy you. Oh, you will? Okay, go, do it. Let's see it. And it felt to Jesus like he was being destroyed, and then when he didn't fight it any longer, something burst forth inside of him called resurrection. Resurrection. So back to the story of Jeremiah. So what happens is the people in charge, in control, that wanted their, their city to be great and magnificent in power, threw him into a well, a cistern. I love that image because it's like you, the truth is so intolerable to people that they don't want to hear it, so they stick it down this dark hole. You know what they call that in psychology? Repression. If you're living a lie as to who you are, if you're living a lie and thinking you have to be something in order to be valuable, and that happens to all of us, that's what these men wanted. They wanted to be valued as the champions. Basically, when you're in that, in that place and somebody comes along and says, no, you know, what you're striving for is never going to give you any kind of peace. It's never going to satisfy your deepest longing. So if you say, have maybe one of the most common ones that we have, it's certainly the thing I struggle with, is I need to be able to please people and win their affection by my performance. I mean, for me, most of my life, that was my driving force. And it seemed to work because I did great work and people thought I was wonderful. And isn't that the most satisfying thing in the world to be thought of as being special? That was the lie. And you know, when you have that kind of lie working in your life and you start not looking at it, you just put it down this deep cistern, you know? And yet, God is going to lift that out of that dark place and throw it in your face over and over and over again. 
and that is your struggle with sin. Sin is not what I thought it was when I was a child. God gave you rules, regulations, laws. You had to follow them. Don't do this, do this. And in that world, of that's the way I saw God. God was the man who said, these are the things you have to do, and if you obey them, I will favor you. If you don't, I won't favor you. So right away, oh, there it is again. Only did my parents tell me that they loved me more when I was a good little boy, but God even said, if you're an obedient little boy the rest of your life, I will love you. And nothing is further from the truth of who God is. He doesn't want a relationship with you where he's controlling you by fear of punishment. He wants a relationship with you so that he can open you up to the very truth of who you are. Who you are. So listen to the gospel now. Jesus is talking to his disciples about his life right now. He has been teaching the truth, teaching the truth, teaching the truth. Some agree, many don't. So if you are a conversation at a table, and they're talking about this new um, Messiah kind of figure out there, and he's teaching this and this and this, and people are saying it's the most wonderful, warming, incredibly message I've ever heard. I'm so excited. He's calling me into a world of peace that is going to be found in my service to others. He's telling me that if I just love people, I will find everything I need, all the joy, all the peace. That's what he's saying. And, and then they're saying, no, no, that's not who God is. God is a God who demands that you do things. And if you do them properly, do them right, you're going to receive reward. Otherwise, you're going to be punished. That's the division. It's still the division today. But more importantly, whether that division is out there, what I want to talk to you about is the division inside of yourself. Whatever you think you are having to do to, 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 to produce for others or for God something that is acceptable or lovable or worthy of praise, you're in this, in this sin and what the truth is, what God is longing for you and for me to feel is, I want to reveal to you the heart of who you are. And it would seem that that's an easy thing to do. I, I would like to see myself as I really am. But in my story, like maybe your story, I was taught I had to perform at such a level that if I didn't, I don't know, I wouldn't exist. And now in, in this part of my life, you know, now I'm, I'm 82 and I'm thinking about I'm not going to be able to perform very much. I'm not going to be able to do the things I want to do. I'm not going to look as good as I thought I used to look. I'm not going to be acceptable as I used to think I was acceptable. And all of a sudden I start feeling this panic and this, this fear inside of me that, that I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen if I'm not doing what I think I have to do in order to be pleasing to myself. I won't exist. And that's the feeling that this transformation that God went through on the cross is experienced by each of us. We have to surrender to the truth that whatever we are using to give us a sense of value by performance, being the best, sometimes people have to perform being the worst. They have to be the least in order to feel okay. No, 
the thing that gives you your value is nothing that is perceived by other people. It's not the perception of other people that gives you a sense of your value. It's who you are. And I know what God is whispering in my heart right now when he says, stop performing, stop performing. He's saying the only thing you are here to do that will give you the most joy and the most peace, I will empower you to love. To love your life, to love aging, to love the world when it's just as messed up and crazy as it is, but somehow to have a deep appreciation of what it is and how it's working and that it's there for you and that it's working for you. It's radical acceptance. That's what love is. And nothing, nothing that isn't as it should be is going to be something that you're going to turn away from. You're going to put love into that situation. That's power. That's the power over sin. Sin controls. Sin makes you anxious. It gives you dread the fear that if you're not something or doing something, then you're not going to make it. It's so weird. Because that's trained in us by not our nature, but by something outside of us. And that thing outside of us is evil. And evil is dangerous and it lives in lies. And our task, our most important task, The most important task we have is to face that. Go ahead. I'll let you give me a sense that I'm valueless, and I'll see how that feels. And when you're feeling that kind of attack, you'll endure it for a while, but then all of a sudden, I don't know how to say this, there's this explosive resurrection, this awareness that nothing you do makes you valuable. It's who you are, and that's freedom.
Let us pray. Father, you draw us into a life of love, not fear, not stress, but a place of peace where we know when we are exactly as you have created us to be, no matter how that's perceived by ourselves or others, we have gained access to the secret of the kingdom, authenticity, acceptance of all imperfection in everything around us, knowing somehow our only task is love. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to remind you that the program you just listened to is available on our website, pastorreflectionsinstitute.com, as well as on our podcast. Go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast and subscribe to Finding God in Ourselves. It's free to listen to anywhere, anytime. And the music in our program was composed and produced by Ryan Harner for this show. This ministry also needs your support, so make a one-time or recurring tax-deductible donation on our website. Thank you so much for your listenership and your continued support. Without it, this program would not be possible.